Well then, welcome to From the Rookery End. My name is Mike. I'm joined outside the Hornet shop by Dave. Hello. Uh, and Jace is here as well. Jace, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, other than football, fine. Yeah, good. Glad to hear it. There's more things to life than football, which is just as well, really, for us as Watford fans. It's finished here. Watford 2, Huddersfield 3, uh, in a quite extraordinary sort of ending to, to the match, really. Dave, can you, can you talk us through what happened? I think one of the most remarkable few minutes I think I've ever seen. We were 3-1 down, poisonous atmosphere within the ground. The fans have finally, en masse, really sort of turned on Gino and the owners today, chanting, Potso's get out of our club, chanting, chanting to the players, you're not fit to wear the shirt. I think, I think it's really important. That at the end, there was, a big, there was a big sign unveiled in the... I was in the Elton John. There was a big banner unveiled in the... Um, in the rookery end, no heart, no passion. It's the players, not the coach. And I think there was a there was another banner elsewhere, a Pozzo out banner, which was swiftly sort of removed, and that didn't see the light of day again. But I think you're right, Dave. I think John isn't here today, but he was messaging on the WhatsApp group trying to calm us down a little bit, saying we've been this bad for ages. And I think that's true. But what changed today? The fans have 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 finally snapped, haven't they? And I think what was what was telling one uh, nil up. Watford were within three points of the playoffs yet it felt like nothing more than a Saturday afternoon kick around because the, 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 the supporters we the supporters have got absolutely no faith in this in this team um, and the team haven't got any faith in themselves either so despite somehow ludicrously clawing ourselves to within sort of striking distance of the playoffs at some stage there was never any sense of, of belief at any stage despite playing a team in the, in the bottom three which of course brings with it its own challenges but the the supporters' patience has finally caught up to the to the to the performances. And I think what we saw at the end was, you know, you said no no heart, no passion or whatever. There was sort of misdirected passion and anger and stupidity at the end from yeah. the players. Backman getting sent off for two bookings in the in the final minute when he's up. He's arguing the referee gets booked, then goes in wildly thrashing around the penalty area high boot gets booked again throws his gloves off the pitch an ensuing melee behind him Sars getting in Pedro's getting in Chowdhury's getting involved it, it was a quite pathetic and embarrassing Spectrum. display really because you, we've witnessed as you've just said this sort of insipid pretty slow drab affair for most of the previous 90 minutes 3-1 down and then it's like well where's all this fight come from and I think it's like it was because of the atmosphere and they, they just uh, 10 minutes before had the whole rookery end and the whole sta- whole ground chanting you're not fit to wear the shirt at them and it's like the anger they're taking their anger out and they're probably embarrassed they're, prob- yeah. they're probably ashamed of themselves and they should be because that was a pathetic end to the game Batman throwing his gloves off the pitch and marching down the tunnel Chowdhury and Porteous no one knows who's going to go and goal I mean it was a complete and utter farce and that perfectly encapsulated the precise situation the dismal situation that we find ourselves in now. And it, I, I don't think Gino was at the game today, but it's a real shame he wasn't. Because if he was, he would be left in no doubt that the tide has turned and something, one way or the other, something has to change. Jace, you're ready to come off your long oh, yeah. run. You've been itching to come in. <laughs> That's all right. I'd say we had, we had two to three minutes at the end there. We got a goal that, quite frankly, we didn't deserve. But yeah, probably a bit, a bit of luck, but hit hard by some or longer. We've got ourselves a free kick. We've got two or three minutes to try and try and get that goal back yeah it starts with, with there's a bit of fighting going on you've got 
Backman, I think it was an early free kick. When Backman's gone up, hasn't he? And then, well, why doesn't he just take the free kick? Just get Hoot up there. And he's sort of almost arguing with Hoot as to whether he should be going up. That's wasting time. We then get the sort of the melee, the fight. Again, that's wasting time. Warlock must be jumping for joy on the sidelines yeah. watching that. His team would have been nervous when that yeah, second goal absolutely. went in. Five we had a chance, a chance to get at them and go at them and try and make something happen. And we just waste half of it, just getting embroiled in the tactics that they're... I say dragging us down, but that feels like I'm doing Huddersfield a disservice because they, they, as every other bloody team has done when they've gone in front of Vickery Road this season, they time-wasted because they earned the right to time-waste. And as much as we don't like it, it's going to happen. They didn't need to drag us down. There's there's nothing to drag drag us down from. And I think think we're starting at the end because I think it's the right place to start. This Watford side shows a bit of bite and a bit of bottle when it's too late. They do it when there's nowhere, nowhere left to hide. They've got, there's no, they're not going to earn anything from it. And, and it's cowardly, really. Yeah. Because, because it's easy. It's easy to lose your rag in the last minute and, and throw your weight about when people are time-wasting and you know, get, get involved in silly little scraps and stuff. It's too late. And Show what, courage from the beginning. I was also going to say, we, we, we are, and probably quite rightly, digging players out here for, for that behaviour and that attitude on the pitch. Going back to that banner about the one that says it's not the coach, it's the players, we also need to ask, why is it the players? Because these are good players. They shouldn't be performing like that. And it's probably not just because that's the way they are. They didn't become professional footballers with that attitude. There must have been something about them in the first place to make it over the thousands of other kids that want to be professional footballers. So why all of a sudden now they've turned up at Watford and now we've got attitudes like that, there's, there's a bigger problem here. It's not... It, it is the players, but is it their fault? We've seen this... We've said it time and time again, really, that this is a talented squad. But what we've seen them become over the course of the season, almost a direct correlation downwards, is they've become diminished as each week has passed on. And, and whether that's a lack of belief in themselves, a lack of belief in each other, a lack of belief in the club, a lack of belief in the direction of the entire project. But whatever it is... They have looked less and less capable of, of doing anything, really. I thought the Luton game was... <laughs> I'd hate to bring that up again, but I thought Watford handled pretty well for the first 20 minutes, that, that match. But as soon as they were asked to do anything vaguely threatening, they li- literally fell to bits. Let's, let's talk about the game a little bit then. And it just followed the same pattern that we've seen all season. And Watford's sort of the number of Watford strikers that seem to be available to the club or, or, the, or the first team coach seems to have finally caught up with the, with the level of attacking sort of prowess and threat we've shown in recent months. There was a moment in the second half where Hurt bombed down the left, Fink pinged in a first time ball into the, into the, into the box. And I think it, it was knocked straight over. I can't remember who it was. Pedro. And it was a sort of 2.5 second moment of exhilaration that something is done at pace, threatening the opposition box. That happens once a month with this side, ultimately. And we found ourselves in a situation where we're playing Jan Pedro as a striker with Aspria sort of in, in behind, I think. So let's, let's, start from the, let's start from the front. Have we found ourselves utterly utterly incapable of posing any thought, sort of threat against any sort of team in, in this division. Do you remember when uh, the last, or the, when we got out of this division, when we were watching, when we had 
Igalo, Dini, Fitra, and if things weren't quite right, we had Forrest Jerry waiting in the oh. in the background as well. I mean, all four of which you take to right yeah, now. All four you'd think would would walk into that side at the moment, and yeah, it, it, it well, yeah, I mean, it's a mess, isn't it? And, and again, we've been talking about it all season. The the that glaring striker that we signed for five million quid the day after he signed for his other club, and then goes back to that club. I, in in the January transfer window on loan, I, yeah. What what on earth is going on there? That is, that's just complete lack of strategy, of lack of any plan. We bought Arujin, and where is he? Yeah, where's Aruj? I mean, and what? I mean, yeah, he didn't look great. The the sort of one start I think he had down here, and yeah. So what? Yeah, what? I, I mean. We can't answer that question, can we? We don't know what the plan is. What on earth, Mike, is going on? Because I started trying to make some sort of vaguely semi-serious notes about the game before the thing descended into complete uh, and utter farce. And my question kind of posing it to myself was, was is goal scoring, uh, has that been our issue? Is that where all of these issues have, have stemmed from? And I think the rest of the game probably answered that. But... Does it start there, Dave? Does the sort of fish, fish rot from the top end of the pitch down? You know what? I, I think it's pointless us having this conversation. I honestly don't. We can talk about this player didn't do this, this player didn't do that. We didn't get the ball to loser enough. They let Cathcart have the ball. He's our own. You know, he's he's, he's you know our playmaker. Absurdly, you know, Pedro's trying to do too much. Espria's young and you know he's hopeful, he's exuberant, but he's raw. He's too small. Scored a good. You know, the only positive today was he scored his first goal for the club. But even his afternoon got ruined when he had to hobble off. Like we can talk, we can pick this game apart. But Huddersfield were in the we're in the relegation zone before the start of the game today. So just like Wigan were in the re, were bottom of the league a few weeks ago. You know they've beaten a few good teams lately. They're up for it. They're fighting for their lives and all that. They've won three two today, and we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't no, be surprised. It's it, it's it is pointless us trying to pick apart the, the the performance from a footballing perspective because this club is defeated. It is infected with toxic energy and and it is it is now made its way through every area of the club the fans the players the board the staff nobody wants to be in that ground today no nobody had fun there today it's a bank holiday friday we all could have done anything today it's a lovely spring day and we've we've turned up and we've witnessed that and i bet every single person in that ground today wishes they hadn't bothered what's the point it, you know, we're gonna we'll have the same conversation probably after Coventry on Monday, and for the, the other five games after that this season, we had the same conversation last week at Luton. The season is done and dusted, and it, it we just need to get to the summer, and God knows what happens then. But that is a complete shambles. Dave makes a good point, Jace, doesn't he? We all know, you know, life is difficult for a lot of people at the mm. moment. I know full well my mortgage has gone gone through the roof. People can't afford this. People can't afford that. This is supposed to be somewhere that you can come, like a haven, where you can just forget it all and, and enjoy yourself for, for, for a couple of hours. And all too often this season, it's, been, it's just been so far away from that. And what, why is that? Why, why when your job is... is a, I don't think they're not trying. I, think, I don't think they don't care. I think they are professionals, like you said, Jason... Mm. You don't get to this level. You don't get to pull on a shirt, even if it is only the Watford shirt, <laughs> without being, you know, really at the at the top of your game. But we haven't seen it from any of them really 
this season. We've got they've got people who have their eyes on the Premier League or or the top flight in in other countries. Players sort of drifting in and out of the squad. Kamara came on as a as a sub 15 million euro Hassan Kamara player of the season last year. Comes on half a decent cameo actually. In the end, he added to the chaos. I thought. In, <laughs> In the end, there we mentioned that we mentioned Arouse, nowhere to be seen. Mateus Martins has come in; he scored a hatful hat trick in the in the week for the under 23s Nowhere to be seen today. So these guys can't get in that side. I mean, I, don't, I what is it? What is it? And and it, it, it's, it, is it because we that we mentioned a couple of weeks back that you can't perform against the backdrop of you know is the club so bad in such a parlous state? Is it is it's turning up to training such a dismal experience week in week out day in day out that they physically cannot cross that white line which should ultimately be a footballer's sanctuary we were watching a game the other night and I was talking to mum at the time or something he said why, why is that guy coming on with 30 seconds to go what's the point he said he will be raring to get on that pitch that's what he's played for all week yet these these Watford players look like they would rather be anywhere else and I, I felt at the time when I was watching it I was angry in there I felt insulted I felt cross I felt ashamed that I'd wasted my afternoon I felt ashamed that I thought the game might be better and I felt ashamed <laughs> that watching it you think well they still might come back because look who's <laughs> out there they might turn it on yet week in week out you get nothing from them I'm afraid you, the, the fact that, that that moment I mentioned the, the cross from Hurt and the, and the volley from Pedro was like ooh and, that, and it was crap and that is it that's that, what, that, that's all they're serving up and we have a, you know, we have made the decision as grown adults to invest time, money and emotion into this thing. So we probably get what we deserve in, in that respect. But what I cannot get my head round is why these players are so diminished in their stature, in their performance, in, their, in what they're able to deliver. Can it be? That it is such an, it's an impossible backdrop against which to perform. I think you made the point... You, you were talking about the players, but you said, "Does the does the fish rot, rot from the head?" And, and but with respect to the club, it does. We everything has to come back to the repeated poor decisions made, perhaps even in good faith, by well-meaning, by Gino, but they've been bad decisions, repeated knee-jerk knee decisions as well. Yeah, they? exactly. A, a, a very clear lack of strategy and clear precise, effective operating from the top of the club downwards. And as I said again, it, the football is almost completely incidental. Yes, they are, they, are, they are somewhat talented players and then, you know, which means that every now and again they will produce something on the pitch and they'll score a goal like they did today. But they are so, the atmosphere around the club is so brittle and fragile that the second a team scores a goal, good night. The second Huddersfield scored that goal before half time, you could you could have written the script in the in the second half, maybe not the last three minutes, but everything else you, it was very very predictable. And it was the same against Wigan. It was the same against countless other opponents we've faced this season. You know, the, the, the few times we've scored scored in the first few minutes, we've gone on. But if we don't do that, we, we, we are just so shorn of confidence. And as soon it's like as soon as something bad happens, they all everything else comes back on top of them and it all gets gets on top of everyone and those, those I said I said no one in the ground wanted to be there today and, I, and and you're right I think the players are, are, are the same too they were all standing with their hands on their hips heads down when most of the stand were singing you're not fit to wear the shirt how must that feel 
Uh, it's it's been a long time coming, and I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. It felt cathartic to hear it. About, about time, about time they heard it, and about time they were told, because I think... What, and this isn't a criticism. What, the Watford crowd has been extraordinarily patient. As an entire fan base, we've been extraordinarily patient because I think we've been balanced. We've looked at what's gone before. We've looked at history. We've looked at where we are. And we've, and, and we've hoped. We've hoped against hope. We t- talked about the playoffs today, for heaven's sake. I did. Geordie did in, the, in our WhatsApp group. We're still thinking about it. We still hope. Yet we get that in, in return. And, and quite frankly... I'm, I'm glad I feel better for the fact that the players have had it with, with both barrels this afternoon because I think it's been, I think it's been a, lo- a long time coming, too far, too long in coming, um, perhaps. I think Watford supporters have had the right to do what they've done today for a long, long time. We've had too many players turning up week in, week out, uh, turning in four out of ten performances, thinking they're eight or nine out of ten players. It's been this season has been an unmitigated disgrace, as far as I'm concerned. In front, of, and you can you can talk all you like about, and we're right to talk about the wider issues engulfing the club at the moment because these are the ones that are going to haunt us, or we're going to have to deal with for the coming months and and years. But I, I maintain these players have are, are, have shown a an almost unforgivable lack of heart, spine um, and guts and gumption when it really counts. It's fine, go and get yourself sent off um, when someone treads on your toes, elbows or whatever, or get, get yourself sent off in the last minute of game when, it's, when the game's gone. It's pathetic. The scenes we saw at the end today, there will be the images that people remember. Backman's gloves on the, on the, on the ground, his shirt, chucking his shirt. That's a Watford shirt, mate. And you are playing for the club, you are playing for the team and you're playing for us. The people that turn up. Dave's had to travel about 500 miles out of his way because the trains are off today. People give up money they haven't got to come and watch this football club. People give up time they haven't got to support it and do stuff that, to, to surround it, just to make this club as good as it can. You do not get to act like that after you've played like that all season. Disgrace. I think we should also point out, well, we're talking about people like us sort of giving up time, money to come and, and, and see it and watch this game. A lot of people didn't come today and voted with their feet because, like you say, this has been a long, yeah, happening for a long, long time. People that have spent their money, they've already spent their money on a season ticket, just can't bring themselves or got a better option and think, I've I've spent that money, but no, that doesn't matter, I'm still not going to go. And all power to them. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, I don't know the results, what happened, how it went, but thank you for that. I'll listen to it because I'm recording this on Thursday. Uh, I don't know about that game, but I do know is that on Friday, a brand new Hornet Heaven came out, a very short one, a very Eastery themed one, particularly after the last week's Luton game. Colin teased us last week, week before, I remember, of a brand new series of Hornet Heaven coming along. It's going to be great. It's going to be historic and it's going to be controversial, but that's not going to be out for a while. So this is to keep you going with a little bit of Hornet Heaven. Do go and find it uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, but here's a little clip. It's been dreadful. The one game when you'd want Watford to put in a proper performance and they've played like this. At the kennel. He should never have come. Other people dashed to the ancient turnstile when the programmes first arrived in Hornet Heaven, but he wasn't keen. Then he heard the result, and people said Watford had been terrible. 
He felt he needed to see for himself exactly how terrible. Now he knows. He thinks to himself, I feel like I've seen this performance before. Over and over again this season. I really don't want a repeat of it here. He stands under the Oak Road roof as the Watford players slope off the pitch at the end of the game. The fans in the land of the living are shouting at the players. He understands their anger. There's also a man he recognises from Hornet Heaven who's dishing out some real abuse. Not nice at all. Poisonous, actually. Oh dear, I don't want to hear that. Bill Mainwood says to himself. He makes his way back to the ancient turnstile and goes through. Now, one thing that's come out in the last week or so has been the Watford accounts. Um, And they were published and we've had a look at them and they were difficult to understand. So we got in touch, as another Watford podcast did. Well done, boys. Uh, Watford Buzz did uh, to a guy called Kieran Maguire. Now, Kieran presents the Price of Football podcast and he does an online course all about understanding the finance and the, the setup of football but he is someone who knows it and he's someone outside our bubble so we wanted to ask him what he thought about these books comparatively where he thinks that keeps us and what that might mean for us and how the ownership have to act but also picking up on a particular couple of deals with those loans from Macquarie uh, as well as of course the deal to get Hassan Kamara back and forth from Udinese and see what he thinks as, as a, someone from outside, someone clever, educated on all these things, what he thinks about Watford's accounts. Remember, these are the ones that came out this month, but actually they deal with everything that's financially for Watford last season. So up until June 2022. Just think of it as the Premier League season books. Interesting stuff from Kieran. And of course, we want to see how the boys will react afterwards, particularly Michael. How does he react uh, once you hear this interview with Kieran from The Price of Football? You know, looking at your, your tweet you put out, Kieran, you know, there's arrows uh, on the first, the first slide and they're going up. Uh, there's one going down and that's good because that's losses. With your expert eye and you look at the overall picture of, of what Watford's finances were. Of course, this is last year in the Premier, end of, up to the end of the, the Premier League stint. It, it seems good. Do you see it that way? It is good in the sense that it is better. And then we say, is good losing £300,000 a week? And you'd say, well, in any other industry, no. But then you take on your football hat and you say, well, actually, compared to Everton's losses, Chelsea's losses, that of quite a few other clubs, Newcastle have come up with some eye-watering numbers. From a financial point of view, it's reasonable, provided you've got somebody who can find that £300,000 a week to effectively absorb the losses. Because banks won't lend you the money. Player sales are erratic and challenging. And and therefore, it's not ideal, but in the world of football, it's reasonable. Our worry is is in terms of that that long-term side of things. I mean, you, you talk and you highlighted the fact that our losses exceed now £90 But you also talk about how we borrowed money, but we repaid others and we are generating money from player sales. So that feels, or am I wrong in this, manageable for a football club of Watford? It's manageable provided the owners continue to to fund the club in the way that they have done historically. And that is great. Roman Abramovich did it for 19 years. 
at Chelsea until his circumstances changed. Mel Morris put in the thick end of £200 million into Derby County in a period of five or six years. He then got bored and he walked away and he put the club into administration. My reservation with with regard to this, and and for the sake of transparency, I'm, I'm a Brighton fan. Brighton wouldn't even be in the championship were it not for the owner sticking money into the club, let let alone in the top half of the Premier League where we are at present. And and that's great, but it's a terrible thing to say. You are over-reliant on the benevolence, charity, generosity, affection of one person. And if that one person's circumstances change, or if that one person, for whatever reason, falls out of love with the football club, Uh, If we take, for example, Bolton Wanderers, their former owner, Eddie Davis, put £175 million into Bolton Wanderers when they were in the Premier League. And when they got relegated, a small section, but still a section of of the fan base, started to give him grief because he wasn't writing enough checks to indulge what they consider should be the, the right and proper action. And his health was deteriorating and sadly he passed away. And and that meant that the club ended up again in administration. So that's my one reservation. If circumstances change, then you are in in a precarious position. In in exactly the same way, if you look at it from your personal financial circumstances, if you lose your job and you've got a mortgage and you've got you know you've got a family and you've got to run a car and so on, you're in a you're in a really nasty position. And it's exactly the same for a football club if it's not breaking even on its own basis. But with Watford's sort of model, as we always we call it, it, it seems to be the Pozzo's, you know, he, he, they are putting money in, that they are taking loans out. And we're seeing this, taking out those loans that we've, you know, when he Watford fans sort of hunted them down almost to, to share that they've done it again. Is that a club showing it has a lack of cash flow? I think you're right in, in reaching that conclusion. The only other justification for taking out third-party loans is if the owners say, well, actually, if I had that 50 million quid, I can make more money from it compared to the interest that would be charged on the loans. That is sometimes the case. That's sometimes not the case. So this this would be appear to be more of a cash demand as far as Watford are concerned. Um, the club, did, you know, the club did, did require funding. Was that going to come from the owners? Was it going to come from third parties? Watford do seem quite keen to use this particular method of financing and the way that it works is let's say that you sell a player for 21 million that the buying club is going to pay in three installments of seven million a year apart so you get your first seven million you have to pay VAT on the deal so it's actually quite bad for your cash flow and then what have you got you've got two IOUs from another football club sitting in the sitting in the desk of your finance director doing nothing so what you do is that you go along to Macquarie and you say, how much will you give us for these two checks, these these two IOUs? And they'll say, eh, we'll give you 12 million. And you say, thank you very much. They, they stick 12 million in your bank account. You give them the two IOUs. When the buying club pays, the money effectively goes to the lender. So it's, it's very, it's, it's a corporate equivalent of a payday loan. So it's good from a cash flow point of view, but it is costing you in terms of interest because clearly the lender wants to make a return on the deal. So the money you thought you were going to get from the player sales doesn't materialise as much as uh, a re- as has perhaps been proclaimed to the media. Is that a thing you've seen often in football or for a certain level of club do that sort of thing? 
Yes, it's uh, Liverpool did it, for example, on the Coutinho deal. We have seen that for many clubs in the Premier League and the Championship. It is good for immediate cash flow. What you then have to ask yourself, how is that cash going to be used? Now, if it's going to be used for a capital project, so improving training facilities, a new stand, you can say, well, that perhaps does make sense because we will start to see the benefits fairly quickly. You've got fitter players, we've got more fans being able to attend, or you've got more hospitality suites, so therefore you can generate more money than those. If that money is effectively recycled into the transfer market and you go out and buy players, again, you can see the benefit on the pitch, provided the players are good. And and that's that's a separate issue. (laughs) If the money is used to pay the local pie seller, if the money is used to pay an outstanding PAYE bill, that's when you start to get twitchy. So if it's used for long-term projects, I'm fine with it. If, it. if it's used to dig you out of a financial hole, there's there's only so many payday loans that you can extract, unless you're Barcelona, who seem to come up with a new one every couple of months. Because the other thing we're looking at this is what fans, we know this is last year's, last season, should I say, sort of money when we're in the Premier League. The fact that we are doing this, does it seem like we are... Basically, we've already sold next year's parachute payments. Or do you think for stability that there's a possibility that there's, you know, those parachute payments are, are still being used wisely? I think potentially that can be the case. What clubs are doing when they do this, to a certain extent, is that they're trying to kick the can down the road. They're trying to say, well, yeah, we've, we've effectively sold next year's parachute payments. But if we get promoted to the Premier League, there's no problem. If you don't get promoted... There is a problem. Either you have to have a fire sale of players or you then have to go to another third party for a loan or the owners have to find money from doing something weird and wonderful such as you know, selling the ground to a to a buyer. But then, of course, you end up paying rent and it can get a bit messy. And the profits from stadium sales can no longer be used for FFP purposes. So it can't even be used to dig you out of a, an FFP challenge. We are looking at this and we are worrying, of course, because where we're set at the moment and the chance of us getting up this year are shrinking every single week. We do see it as a, a basically a fire sale. We do have some very sellable assets, we think, um, in Jao Pedro and, and Ishmael Assar. That seems to be the only way. Or was that clear, let's say, in this in this books, set of financial books, where it sort of said that's how Watford are propping themselves up? Or that is it? does it seem that it is from loans from the the owner I, I think Watford have a choice if you want to to hold on to your best players and also if you want to be in a strong negotiating position when it comes to selling players quite often you will see a player goes and you go blimey that looks like a bargain and everybody in football knows everybody in football so buying clubs are not naive they are fully aware of, of those clubs who are under more financial distress than others So sometimes it can actually be beneficial for an owner to be seen to be putting money into the club because that's sending out a signal that we don't need to sell. So therefore, if you do want to go and buy SAR, if you do want to go inside behind this player, you're going to have to go and pay full market value as opposed to the club's desperate. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it is business. And it it happens in all types of business as well. I, I used to work in the insolvency industry and I'd sometimes sell some stuff off for for absolute peanuts because I had a wage bill to pay the following week 
um, and there was some you know, there was some stuff there which was wasn't doing a lot of work for me as as the administrator. So sometimes you you have to acknowledge that uh, uh, you are in a weak negotiating position, and therefore you have to accept whatever is offered. Ideally, you are in a position where the bidders are more than one, and you can either set them off against each other, or you can say, well, we're happy to say no in respect of this potential sale of the player because the owner will put money in if, if you're not prepared to pay the asking price. Are there any familiar patterns with, with Watford? You've seen, you know, you look at this one and you looked at prior ones as well. Do we see that other relegated, Premier League relegated sides who have gone on to struggle, like Wigan, Reading, Bolton, West Bromwich Albion, are we, are we heading in that direction? Or do you think, from your, your knowledge of Watford, that it, it, it's not going to go that far? I don't think you're there yet. My concern is what happens if you have you know, another season in which you don't go up and then the parachute payments are turned off or we could have the situation because we don't know how we don't know the exact details of the of the payday loans. We don't know how much money is necessarily going to go to the lender um, and how much therefore will be left over as far as the playing budget is concerned. So I think you're in a stronger position than Bolton and Wigan and so on but you're not in a great position because if you're in a great position you wouldn't be going to Macquarie in the first place. Were there any other major things that caught your eye from in those uh, in those books? Well what I did think was a wee bit unusual was if you take a look at the investment in players the, the wage bill was noticeably lower than the last time in the Premier League. It was 79 million compared to 96. What does that tell us in terms of the players that have been recruited in the interim? Are they at the same level? I think, yeah, I, I reckon there's about an, an £8,000 a week decrease in the wages paid in 2022 compared to 2020. What we also have seen in terms of player recruitment is that when Watford were relegated in 2020, the, the cost of the squad, now this is, cost, cost is not the same as value, but it does give you an indication as to the level of investment. When they were relegated in 2020, the, the total cost of the squad was 223 million. At the end of 22, it was 156. So all other things being equal, Watford were trying to survive in 21-22 with a squad which had cost substantially less, you know, around about you know, about quarter less than it had been the last time they were in the Premier League. And, and that does seem indicative of, of perhaps owners who wanted an, an air shot, perhaps a bit, bit harsh, because Watford did spend money in the Premier League, although it was a net negative spend last season. And I have seen clubs such as Norwich spend literally buttons, having been promoted to the Premier League, and just said, we're going to bank money. Watford didn't go that far, but it was still a relatively low spend. And looking at things objectively in hindsight, because of course we are, we are looking at last year's accounts, and you're always looking in the rearview mirror when, you do it, when you're analysing the numbers, it looks as if the club quasi-budgeted to, to go down. Wisely, do you think? <laughs> well, especially the fact that you know, we were relegated mid-COVID and would have lost sorry, the income that you normally get around match days. Do you think that that might have put them in a, 
a, a more cautious place when they when they went up for for last season. Yes, because I think you have to acknowledge that Watford were promoted in twenty one twenty two, so therefore they were coming out of a COVID impacted season in the Championship, which did put a financial constraint on all clubs. So I, I can understand, unless unless the owners were prepared to say, here's yeah, X million pounds to uh, give us a, a chance to compete more in the transfer market, it, it, it was going to be a very challenging season. You mentioned, of course, last year that Watford sold players to Udinese for 34 million. Mm. We had this one this year where uh, Hassan Kamara was sold and instantly loaned back. At mm. fifteen million, for you in terms of that, you know, you talk about financial fair play a little bit, and look, look you know, those things changing. He, it has been brought up, uh, is being looked at. Does does that feel desperate or uh, just a, a wise move because of the the situation we're in? I think it's reflective of the football authorities wising up to some of the opportunities that arise when you've got a multi-club ownership model. All that the authorities are doing here is they're making sure that, that those opportunities are, are not the same as abusing. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said, having a multi-club ownership model and, and switching players around if you've got the same philosophy, culture, sports science approach, coaching philosophy. All of those things can, can benefit if you've got two clubs under broadly the same ownership. So it, so it can be a genuine benefit and it can be uh, a, a means of achieving greater success and greater competitiveness um, as far as football is concerned. It can also be, be used to massage the numbers. Now, massaging the numbers isn't necessarily being in breach of the rules, uh, but having met the people from the EFL financial review panel or investigating body. They are very, very serious accountants because I tried cracking a few gags and it was, you know, (laughs) I think I've probably picked the wrong audience here. Um, So they are are very thorough. They are very rule-based and and they're just checking that... uh, you're on the right side of the line. And and sometimes it's, you know, the line becomes a bit blurry. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! So, finances, I don't know if that's cheered us up or not really. Dave, so headline, losing 300 grand a week. How do you feel about that? Christ. I mean, the thing is that Kieran's obviously an expert in these matters and, he, and as he's pointed out that... That's fine if you've got someone who's prepared to shoulder it, and that's fine if it's if it's if you've got a long-term plan and you you know how to move it all around and and, and it's all part of a strategy. It can be okay. It's commonplace football, top to bottom, literally top, very very top Premier League clubs down to non-league. You know the whole the finances of the whole industry are a complete shambles, but it keeps moving on, and they clubs find the way to keep going and balance the books in whatever way they can. But as Kieran pointed out, the concerning thing for us is that. The second that the tap gets turned off, the second that Gino or any owner of a football club decides to enough's enough and they go, you could be, you know, in deep, deep trouble. And that's before we even get into the Macquarie loans and the lack of parachute payments coming down the track and all that. So <sighs> Kieran took a quite level-headed approach, but there were quite a few moments in there where he said, you know, red flag here, red flag there, beware. 
and in that respect is quite concerning especially given what we've seen today if there was any sliver of hope that we might get up although we are still only six points away from the playoffs <laughs> I'd like to say um, it, it, we're not going to get back up look at it obviously no matter what happens we're not going to be in the Premier League next season so it is concerning a nice moment here James Morris has just run up Occupation Road to slow down Yasser Espria which good news that Yasser Espria needs slowing down after hobbling off today just uh, tapped him on the shoulder and asked him to have a photo with the, uh, with the young supporter who is beaming from ear to ear having grabbed that photo so despite the, uh, the tone of this, this podcast nice to get those see those little uh, those little moments Jay so basically owner funded these these debts £300,000 a, a week it works out to and of course as John said and Kieran said these are the accounts that pertain to the Premier League year fine as long as the owner is is covering the debt I mean we've talked in the podcast about how uh, Gino is is potentially an issue (laughs) what's your sort of gut feeling about about where that leaves us in terms of in in terms of being saleable or in terms of getting getting extra investment yeah I mean it it, it In terms of the finances, I don't. I, okay, let's let's talk about extra getting extra investment. Just seen our a, two goalkeepers walk past us. Actually, <laughs> Dan Batman and Hamza Chowdhury. <laughs> he, he doesn't doesn't look happy, of Dan, does he? So sort of look around him. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. In terms of extra investment, uh, yes, any potential investor will want to have a look at the finances, but perhaps. We'll also want to have a look at the assets as well and, and, and see what we've got there. And, and that might help us in terms of getting someone in. You think the, the state of the finances, maybe not. And so it's looking across the two. Um, for me, the, the, it, yeah, the, those debts, the, the losses. Yes, everyone has debt, football clubs, businesses. Us, we have mortgages. It's whether it's serviceable or not, and, and you sort of losing three hundred grand a week doesn't sound like it. It is, does it? That, that just sounds like a yeah, too yeah. too big a chunk, and that and that's the thing that worries me. I think I think the most concerning thing out of out of what Kieran had to say was that the Macquarie payments, payday loans, call them by another name, would be fine if they're set against if they if they're if they're to invest in. Long term, long term projects, structural things, players, whatever. If, if there's a very specific reason for them, that you know, if it's if it's a very clear speculate to accumulate situation, fine. That's how the world works. But if it's to keep the wolf from the door, if it's to get everyone paid for the next month, or if it's to pay off this person or that person, then that speaks to a bigger problem. And I mean, look around. Have we got a new training ground? Have we got? Has any money been spent on the on the ground? You know, a lot has in years gone by, but not recently. Have we, have we have we spent loads and loads on players? Bit here, bit there, but not that much. What do you think the money's been spent on? For me, it's probably more likely that it's been a more urgent need, which is again concerning. Yeah, and interesting. You mentioned wages there. It's something that or spending on players. Kieran picked up that the wages were were less in the Premier League. I thought that was an interesting get from from him, suggesting that perhaps Watford were were budgeting for for relegation, or at least weren't willing to 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 risk the the house on it. I mean, and John asked a really good question: Are we showing familiar signs as to, to clubs that have sailed into into choppy waters after getting out of the the Premier League? Stoke, West Bromwich Albion, um, Derby, I guess Wigan, who, who we've we've seen. Recently, Bolton, 
and and I think Kieran, like you say, Dave, I think what what was really interesting. He was very measured. Actually, it was great to hear from him. In as much as he hasn't got all the cl- all the other stuff clouding, he's looking at it as very much as the. Um, uh, black and white on the balance sheet and he didn't sound too alarmed but I suspect that's just in his nature just to uh, and he said not yet didn't he not yet we're not we're not showing those warning signs yet but I think there was he didn't say it but there was definitely a caveat there wasn't there that the longer this sort of footballing malaise continues and the longer there's more question marks you know like Dave said the Macquarie loans he said Liverpool take out the take out those sort of loans it doesn't look to me like they're being they're being used on anything other than um, being working capital, which is which is problematic. So there we go. Anyway, we will thank you very much to Kieran for for his time for putting a little bit of meat on the bones and explaining it really in layman's terms to us uh, as Watford supporters what the what the finances mean. I think he's the bottom line is it's not doesn't seem to be disastrous on the face of it. But remember, we're twelve months behind. Um, We're on the clock. We're on the clock. And across the game, if Liverpool don't make the Champions League, that's a problem for their their finances. If any club doesn't achieve where they need to be to get the money that they they are budgeting for, expecting to get in the future, it's a problem. The longer that Watford don't get... The longer that Watford spend out of the Premier League, the more desperate the situation will become. There will be the end of the road at some point. That might not be in a year's time. It might be two, three, four, five. You know, who knows what will happen. But... It's, it's obvious, it should go without saying, that we need to be up in the Premier League if we are to be a successful, solvent football club because that's the nature of the beast at the moment. And it, it, it's just another layer of depressing news and, and, and sort of another layer of stress in the background and anxiety set against what we're seeing out on the pitch at the moment. You know, it's not good. So thanks very much to uh, John for speaking to, to Kieran. Thanks to Kieran for his uh, valuable insight. Thanks to Colin, of course, for his little uh, clip of Hornet Heaven there, something that we can all um, look forward to, a bit of an escapism. Dave sort of alluding there, watch this space when it comes to the finance. We're, we're on the clock, he said. I think that's, that's a fair assessment. And it's, uh, it's a case of watch this space as well when it comes to what we're trying to um, organise, get together, mobilise ahead of this fans meeting with... Um, um, with Gino Pozzo and, and Scott Duxbury, which is looking like it's going to be an increasingly interesting agenda towards the uh, end of pre-season, it's, um, it looks like it's going to be. Um, thank you to everyone who's, uh, who's fed back on, on that so far. It looks like most people sort of understand what we're trying to do. It was, as we've said before, uh, it was thrown out to the supporters um, by, by Scott Duxbury, by the club with, the, with those programme notes. There was no one that was anointed to do it. No one was selected to do it as, um, as engaged supporters we've joined up with an ever-increasing number of um, supporter groups to try and um, make it as fair and as equitable and, uh, uh, as possible and transparent. And just to, to reaffirm, the aim here is that absolutely anybody, whether you're here, there, anywhere, young, old, middle-aged, whether you're online, whether you're not offline, whether you've got a season ticket, whether you've only been to 10 games before, whatever, if you've got a question, if you want to get involved in this process, that the whole point of it is to make sure that that, that can happen. Um, I think most people are recognising that, um, and we recognise and uh, yeah appreciate all the all the feedback on that. Watch this space. Uh, work has been uh, been carried work, worked really hard over the last three weeks since it was announced. We picked up the baton. If anyone's got any any ideas, suggestions, can see any pitfalls, whatever, let us know um, because uh, we're we're trying to do it to. to uh, we're trying to work together basically to make this as good as possible for Hornets fans so Jason I'm going to put you on the spot uh-huh. we're going to have this meeting with with, with Gino 
um, the royal we that is, the Watford fans, what question oh, are you asking, Mr. Potts? I'll, I'll give you a slight <laughs> get out of jail card. Scott's going to be there as well. So, Gino or Scott, <laughs> what, what are you going to ask them? Oh, wow. I don't, I don't think I could narrow it down to one question. There's just so much you want to ask. I mean, just on the things that we've talked about today, the finances, yeah, what, what's going on there? What, yeah, those loans, what are they, what are they going to? Is, yeah, what's the cash flow look like? Um, and but and again to the playing side as well we, we talk about a lot about the state of the club but ultimately we're coming here to watch our team play and we want them to be successful what is the strategy on the footballing side why are the players clearly not in a fit state to perform as a team what's yeah what's going on there and what, and what is the yeah, long term future strategy for the stability of the club and for the playing side of the club. Well, it's Good Friday, apparently. I have to be honest, it, it feels like anything but. It, the culmination, I say the culmination, unfortunately there's, what, five or six games left to go in this, in this season. But I don't think I'm overstating or overreaching when I say that this season has been awful. I think um, it's not just underwhelming, not just underperforming. It has just been beyond disappointing that the performances have probably reflected the Malay the wider Malays in the club and today wasn't a surprise in terms of the, of the performance Huddersfield had to turn up and get get the win Neil Warnock in charge they're going to be up for it and any team that's up for it quite frankly is too much for this Watford side and that is a sorry sorry state of affairs um, I'd like to congratulate us as a supporter base for being so patient I think that's fair that we do turn up and we enjoy the game as, as best we can. But today was the day that the patience has finally gone. And uh, it's been a long time coming. The players deserve to go off with booze ringing in their ears. The, quite, the hierarchy deserved to go uh, to scuttle off with the booze uh, ringing in their ears. There are deep, deep, deep problems at this football club and they need to be addressed. Jace, thanks ever so much for, uh, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks to Dave. He's over there talking to uh, Talk Sports. Uh, Adrian Durham. Thanks to Kieran Maguire. Thanks to John. And thanks uh, to Colin and the guys at uh, Hornet Heaven. So it's been a tough one. I'm going to say what I always say. Stick with it. The sun is shining. Um, Vicarage Road is, is still standing. It's, it's tough to take. I guess try and channel how you feel. Try and channel that sort of... There's a mixture of emotions at the moment swirling around. But just try and sort of... I don't know, make the best of them uh, and, and carry on supporting this, this football club. There is, there is loads good about it. That we've spoken almost exclusively about the bad stuff and, and obviously that needs, that needs challenging. We're Watford fans for, for better, for worse. And uh, this is undoubtedly one of the worst moments. It's certainly one of the, the lowest I've, I've felt in the sort of last, last couple of years. But there you go. This has been From the Rookerend. Thanks for joining us. Speak to you soon.